Welcome to the Women's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series, Reflection, a Study of Philippians. If you missed any part of this series, you can find it and others online at sheridanhouse.org backslash WBS. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. We are going to be talking about how, first point, how do we do the best things in life? How do we do that? How do we do the things that we've been talking about week after week here as we've been studying the book of Philippians? How do we do that? And it begins with what we're talking this morning, reflecting right thinking. Reflecting right thinking. Don't we know that true from our lives that when our minds start going down and you know, in places that they, it shouldn't be going, that sometimes our actions follow, and it's just such a truth that the place to begin is our mind, is our mind. Recently, Bob and I got new computers. And um, can I quickly say, we went from a PC to a Mac, an Apple Mac. Do I need to say any more? So if I'm talking in sort of a disheveled fashion today, it's because the brain is so taxed, <laughs> especially for people that don't have a techie mind. Some people just have that kind of mind. I don't know, A brain, B brain, I don't know what it is, but whatever the brain is that can do technology, it ain't this one. <laughs> so we have been struggling with that, um, trying to learn because of the complexity of a computer, its shortcuts and all that it's capable of. However... All of us have access to a computer that makes the humanly developed one look like child play. Do you know what I'm talking about? Our brain. Our brain. The human brain. Listen to Kent Hughes. He said this. The human brain does not miss a thing. It is capable of giving and receiving the subtlest input from image imagining a universe in which time bends to transmitting and receiving a message from God himself. That's profound, isn't it? Is that in your book? Good. You can take it home with you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, feats that no man-made computer will ever come close to being able to accomplish. Our brains can do it because it was created by the mighty brain with a capital B. I want to read you something. I was going to try and summarize this and, and kind of, you know, um, see if I could figure out. I can't even say this, but it just was so profound by um, also Kent Hughes. He said this, the capacity of the human brain is a subject of ever-widening scientific wonder. It's 12 to 14 billion cells. I have... I have 14 billion cells in my head. Why doesn't it work with the computer? Anyway. Um, are only a shadow of the complexity because each cell sends out thousands of connect connecting tendrils so that a single cell may be connected with 10,000 neighboring cells, each of which is constantly exchanging data impulses. I don't even understand that, let alone, wow. These 12 to 14 billion brain cells times 10,000 connectors make the human mind an unparalleled computer. 
The mind's activity has been compared to a thousand switchboards. Put another way, there is more electronic equivalent in one human brain than in all the radio and television stations of the entire world put together. Is that astonishing? That's the God we serve. That's the brain that he has given us. But not only uh, is that just an amazingly powerful image of the brain that he has gifted us with, but the incredible thing to ponder is that this brain has been given access to the mind of Jesus Christ. Is that amazing? That we can understand the mind of our Lord. And we know that that is true through the Holy Spirit. We know that's true uh, according, because it says so in 1 Corinthians 2, the second part of 16, it says this, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Not only do we have all these neutrons and cells and, you know, all the things that I just described to you, but we have the capability as believers and followers of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to understand his mind. Wow, amazing. So how to reflect the correct mindset? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to help us have the mind of Christ? How do we do that? And we're going to be taking a look at, at this in a very practical, thank you, way for us to understand how we can have the mind of Christ, how to reflect the correct mindset. So A on your outline, it begins with choosing our thought life. Warren Wiersbe said this, wrong thinking leads to wrong feelings, <clears throat> and before long, the heart and mind are pulled apart and are strangled by worry. We talked a lot about that last week, didn't we? We talked about worry and, and how, it, it, you know, where that comes from and so forth. And that can affect how we respond to life situations, not necessarily doing the best things in life. When our mind isn't where it needs to be, then we're not going to make good decisions in our life. Number one, what affects what we think about? What are some of the things that causes us to think in certain veins in certain directions? And I think that's a good thing for each of us to analyze ourselves. Maybe this afternoon as you're driving home or maybe tonight as you're trying to fall asleep or whatever to say okay lord what are some of the things that affect my mind what what affects my thinking what causes me to think some of the things i think now all of us have similarities in that all of us are affected by the news <clears throat> we don't have to go very far to hear every what everybody's thinking about the president of the united states right now the congress what the the uh latest um debate sounded like and who did well and who didn't and you know on and on it goes we are exposed to the news all the time and it can affect our thinking it's blasted in uh, uh not only on our tvs but i don't know if you've i was in a in a doctor's office recently and i'm sitting there and thinking oh good i have a little bit of quiet before you know i go in there and the tv's going and boom 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 all these opinions and everything i'm thinking i really just wanted a little bit of quiet to think but no, it's right there. Or the magazines. Or even when you're checking out at the grocery store, for goodness sake, you, if you're, as you're putting your things on, on the uh, whatever, what do you call that thing? Thank you. Um, you're seeing these magazines with headlines and pictures and all that. So the news, what we're exposed to more so than any other generation in history probably, can affect how we think. 
Another one that is new in this generation, of course, is social media. You know, I, you know, I come down in the AM to get my, my uh, <coughs> phone, and they're right there on the opening screen is, you know, 15 <coughs> tweets. And some of them are news, some are this, that, you know, some of them are, you know, uh, people that I know or whatever. And so immediately, we've talked about this in the past, um, we get uh, uh, affected by social media, what we see on, on Instagram or what we see on Facebook and, you know, all those kinds of things. That can affect how we think. And we so are so tied. Have you ever left your phone home by mistake? What do you do? You are absolutely, you would think that the moon just hit the earth. Oh my goodness. Did I leave it at home? Is it in my purse somewhere? And we're just frantic. We are so tied to technology in this world. And that can so affect our minds, can't it? Another thing is um, people's input. Perhaps people in your family or people in your community or um, even, you know, families growing up, mentalities that maybe you were taught. Uh, you've heard Bob talk about all the time having grown up in a, um, a non-Christian home whose father was a successful businessman and the saying that his dad would say to them all the time was, money makes the world go round, money makes the world go round. And so it has taken a lifetime of, since he's known the Lord, of getting that thought process out of his mind. That's not truth. That's a teaching from a person. Or um, last week we talked about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's not also not a biblical thinking. Then they're good ones too. I'll never forget as a little girl, I would go to my, my mother and say, Mommy, do you think I'm pretty? And she would say, pretty is as pretty does. Do you remember that one? Now, that's kind of a good one to remember, I think, that it's, it's more about not this, but this. But uh, anyway, there was a book uh, that was around a while ago. It's still there. It's called The Power of Positive Thinking. But remember that by Norman Vincent Peale. And we are talking about thinking positively, but it is so much deeper than that. The Holy Spirit has so much more to say to us about how to reflect correct thinking. Number two, we are called to a renewing of our mind. We are called to a renewing of our mind. <clears throat> Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There, if there's a transforming of our thought life, there will be um, a transformation in our lives. When we transform our thinking of who God is, when we begin to say, let me think a moment about the God that I serve. Not only does he keep the galaxies in place spinning and all that, galaxies that our human brain, we talked about this I think last week, that we can't even comprehend, and he, he's keeping all of that in, in space, and yet he's got molecules glued together. And I, as I was in my devos, devotions yesterday, and I was praying, and I was saying, Jesus, you know, you keep the galaxies spinning and the molecules glued together, and you keep the galaxies in my life spinning, 
and the molecules of the day-to-day concerns and touches from you, you keep those glued together. Not only is it a global picture, it's a personal picture, isn't it? Wow. So as we renew our mind, as we are working to transform our, our mind, be on your outline, it begins with choosing to let God transform our minds. Again, Hughes that I read a minute ago. The human brain does not miss a thing from imagining a universe to transmitting and receiving a message from God himself. So with that uh, intro, let's go on and take a look at the verse 8 in chapter 4 of Philippians. This is what it says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. In this world, with all the influences that we just talked about that can influence our thinking, is that even possible? Yes. Yes. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can come up with that level of positive thinking Perhaps we can't on our own, but with the Holy Spirit's help, as, he, as Jesus said in uh, John uh, 14, 16, he said, another helper I will send to you. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. And so with that helper, as believers, and as we've received the Holy Spirit, as we've received Jesus as our personal Savior, now we have that strength to help us in our thinking processes. So, next on your outline, what specifically are we to think about? Here's a list for us, uh, that Paul lists for us, of the things that we, that ought to occupy our minds and hearts. A, we are to have six thought patterns. Number one, first one, whatever is true, whatever is true. True here is not just, you know, the, the simple truth of, you know, one and one equals two, not that kind of truth. It's much deeper in that, than that. It implies eternal truth. The general, the great principles of life, like love and compassion, integrity, and the truth of the gospel. And for the Christian, truth begins with an understanding that truth begins with Jesus, the embodiment of truth. Everything that is true flows from him, doesn't it? Flows from him. Recently, I read a story of a man who freed and found homes for probably thousands, at least hundreds of children that he helped escape from Nazi concentration camps. No one even knew about it until someone found a journal. They were going through his things, and he was an elderly man, still alive, but elderly. And um, he, they found this journal deeply inside some box or something that he was putting together. And they looked into it and found this journal of all the names of these children that he saved and put together in homes and gave them new homes as their parents you know, died at the hands of the Nazis in the concentration camp. The interesting thing about it is he didn't do it for notoriety or praise. He wrote it, put it away. He didn't do it to say, wow, here's a man that ought to get a, you know, the Congressional Medal of Honor or, or something like that. He did it purely because it was the right thing to do. It was the compassionate thing to do. It was the true thing to do, the right thing. So that's number one, true 
or right. Number two, whatever is honorable. Whatever is honorable. We are to dwell on that which is honorable, or other versions say good, or noble, or honest. Something that has the dignity of holiness upon it. Something that is worthy of respect. Um, you know, wow, that's something considering the world that we live in right now, right? That we're to dwell on things that are respectable, that are honorable. I remember one of our key words as our children were growing up at home is, okay, is this appropriate? You know, the, the, the right and the wrong was maybe a little bit gray, but the point was, is this appropriate for a young Christian growing up? Is it appropriate? And we use that word all the time. Boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of not appropriate right now out there, isn't there? Amazing. We need to be so particular of what we allow into our eyes and then into our brains. Even conservative news media, I have a certain conservative news source that I love to go to because I feel like it, it's not, it's conservative. But even at the, and I get it on my iPad, and it's kind of like going down through a newspaper, but even on a conservative publication, the stories, and, and they put it in such a way that you're like, oh my goodness, I need to find out what happened to that little girl, and it's like, whoa, stop, I don't want to fill my mind with that. We have to be so careful what we let our eyes see and then occupy our minds because then it translates into our hearts, into our lives. Dwelling on things that build up self-respect that is what we need to be filling our minds with, to see ourselves as God sees us. Number three, whatever is just, or another word in some other versions say, whatever is right, whatever is right. The word just or right that it, in the original language is where we get the word righteousness. So we're supposed to fill our mind with things that will develop righteousness in our lives, to think about those things, doing um, the right thing, no matter how simple it seems, begins to develop that mindset. I'll never forget when Tori, my daughter, uh, came home from college one time, and she said, oh, Mom, i got to run over into Walgreens and pick up something real quick. And I said, well, let me drive you. And she got out, and I said, I'll just wait out here for you. You just run and get your thing and, and come on out. So she came out, she's kind of looking uh, flustered and you know, counting her money, and she says, oh, my goodness. The cashier gave me a dollar fifty-nine too much in change, and she says, "Mom, just a second. I'm going to go back and give this to her." And I said, "Okay." And I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, to stand in line back in Walgreens again for that amount of time it, it, is one dollar and fifty-nine cents worth it?" Yes. Why? Right thing to do. Boy, was this mom proud of that daughter or what? And I didn't say anything. It was all on her. And I thought, wow, that's what we're talking about here. We do it because it's right. We do it because it is just. It also speaks of a right relationship and proper action. To think on the things that are just and proper and right. Duty and responsibility. Again, an increasingly foreign idea <laughs> in our culture. Do what's right for you. Be true to yourself is what we hear out there rather than let's do the right thing. No, our thoughts need to be on God and what he desires from me. So, in other words, things that cause us to be right with God and right and just with each other. 
What are we doing that is right and just with one another as well as with God? What does that practically look like in our lives? Uh, for example, what is just and right in my relationships, for example? If you're married, what is just and right in my relationship with my husband to be a loving, sacrificial, edifying life rather than self-centered and demanding? Wow. For me, also, my role as a grandmother. A few weeks ago, we had a birthday celebration at my house, and all of Roby's children came, and they had this T-shirt on that said, um, world changer. Bring me a cup of coffee, please. Anyway, and I'm looking at baby Hope, his youngest baby. Can't even stand up yet, and she's got this word, world changer on her. And I thought, you know what, Lord? That is a call on my life. What can I do to help this little girl? What can, you know, it's their parents' main responsibility, but what is my input in this baby girl's life that will help her grow to be a world changer for Christ's sake? What can I do? You know what? After I read that, after I was thinking that and praying that the very next day during my devotional time, of course, all these verses started flowing out of scripture. I'm like, I, Lord, I already got this. Thank you. You told me. Anyway, like the next day, you ready for this one? Psalm 22, 30 through 31. I shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That he has done it. That he has done it. That he has done it that he has done it. I'm going to quit now, okay? But anyway, the point being, from that point on, I kept seeing verses of how we are to impact the next generation. We don't just sit in rocking chairs. We are to be making a difference in the lives of the upcoming generations, for Christ's sake, helping them to become world changers. We need to think through what duty and responsibility looks like practically in our lives. What is right and just for me today? What are the actions I need to take today? It's really fun to say, oh yeah, in the future, you know, next week, I'll get to them really busy this week. Today, what is right and just? Number four, whatever is pure. The word means moral purity. We're to guard our minds against impurity. Again, what a challenge in our culture today, right? I promise this will be the last time I mention this. But I keep going back to the Super Bowl, halftime, and I'm thinking to myself, here we are as Christian women trying to train our daughters and grandchildren to be the kind of women that are that want respect for who they are, their hearts, their actions, what they're contributing to the culture, and we have this? Really? Okay, I'm going to quit now. <laughs> but the point is that the subtle message that that kind of impurity speaks is, you know, this must be true because, goodness sake, I mean, it's on national television, and so it must be okay, and, you know, all that kind of, and we get drawn in, the culture gets drawn into that when we know in our heart of hearts it's wrong. We need to be careful of that. 
Is there something that makes you susceptible to impurity? Are there movies or books or whatever it is? If, if there's something that makes me susceptible to impurity, I need to avoid them. I need to avoid them. Impurity begins in the mind. Number five, whatever is lovely. I love that word because as women, we love lovely, don't we? I mean, lovely feeds our soul as women. Beauty feeds our soul. That's why the team works so hard to make such beautiful tables for us every year. They think through, you cannot believe the thought process that goes through. Okay, what can we do that would, you know, be beautiful on the tables and on the hall, candles and mirrors and wow. Um, they spend a lot of time thinking that because it makes us, it feeds us, our soul. Beauty feeds us. In the original language, and, and it's deeper than that, but in the original language, it means winsome or that which calls forth love. That which calls lovely is that which calls forth love. Uh, Bachmiel said this, lovely includes not only what is morally lovely, <clears throat> but what is aesthetically lovely. Anything that is beautiful in creation, in the human heart, from a gorgeous view to hearing a symphony of music, to helping a herded, wounded life. All of that is lovely, beautiful, because it's the right thing, and it calls uh, forth love, uh, as we just said. Think on these things that feed our soul with, quote, lovely, unquote. Again, what a battle in this culture to not get focused on fear and the unlovely. It's a quality that causes love to respond to it. When I see that, when I see a friend who's helping out a, a wounded person, that brings love from my heart. That's lovely. That's thinking about things that are lovely. Number six, whatever is commendable, commendable. The idea is to think only of the things that are fit for God to hear. Let me say that again. That's scary. Remembering that God knows our every thought, so the idea is to think of things that are fit only for God to hear. Psalm 139, 1 and 2 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Now, I don't know if, if you've done this before, but there have been times when I've had a very unlovely, critical or <clears throat> thought of my mind. And thank you, Jesus, I was able to, mm, and not say it out loud, but boy, was it in my mind. And I, I, when I read this, I began to say, you know what, Lord, I, you hear that. I may have been able to control myself from not saying it, but I thought it. And so I exposed your beautiful, great mind to that thinking that was incorrect or wrong or judgmental or painful or wounding and so lord and so i found myself when i start thinking that saying forgive me lord i'm sorry you heard that and, and it wasn't worth your beautiful brain to hear what i just said being careful even what we think commendable commendable think of the improvement in our society if we only uttered and thought the things that were fit for God to hear, would that be incredible? Wow. What a goal. 
We can't change the bent of a whole culture, but we can certainly change ourselves. We can become women that think about what is commendable and the other things that we've already talked about. There is no place in the vocabulary or even thoughts of a Christian for ugly, false, impure words that cause us or others around us to think thoughts that are not commendable. We need to be the examples as Christian women. We need to be the examples. So B, what was the summary and challenge? Look at the end of verse 8. Think about these things. He's listed those, uh, the, the character trait, the things that we're supposed to think about, and then he closes it by saying, think about these things. Number one, how do we think correctly? How do we think correctly? What are we filling our minds with? If we fill our minds with trash, what will be there in times of crisis? Trash. You know what there's a good example of that? Think about feeding your children first thing in the morning. They're getting ready to go to school, and you think about, okay, what's the healthiest thing I can give my child today for breakfast? If I were to give them pancakes and uh, sugary syrup every morning, what would happen? By 10 o'clock, now we have to do it on birthdays and Valentine's Day. But anyway, uh, if we did every day, by 10 o'clock, they'd have a sugar crash, wouldn't they? And they wouldn't be able to function. So just like we feed our children healthy food, so we need to feed our brain healthy food. We need to fix our minds on these things. What we think about long enough and hard enough will ultimately become an obsession or a passion and then an action. Uh, when Paul tells us to think or fix our minds, you know what? I love that he does that because you know what that says? It means that we can do it. If we were not able to fix our minds, he wouldn't say, think on these things or fix your mind on these things. He wouldn't say that, would he, if it was something impossible for a person to be able to do. So that gives me hope. Wow. Okay, Paul, if you're telling me to think about these things, that tells me that I've got the capability to do that. Remember that brain we described, woof, that computer thing going on. We have the capability to do that. <clears throat> Someone said our minds are like a TV. When something questionable comes on, change the channel. Change the channel. When we start thinking, change it. Turn it away. I'm not thinking about that. What was that, Jackie, you said? I love that. Thought replacement technique. Is that good or what? That's change a channel. You, you can take your mind and change it. We don't have to be stuck with the, the same, oh, I'm just so worried about this. Oh, I'm so hurt about this. Oh, I'm the, We can change the channel. We can change our thinking. We, there's a technique that we, our brain is so incredible that we can change what we think about. Change the channel. That is our instruction. Don't dwell on the things that will destroy you. Change the channel change the channel. I'm going to say that over and over again. You know why? I'm saying it to me, okay? Anyway, back to verse 8. What should we think of? The verse goes on. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, things of excellence or virtue, in other words, things that enhance our relationship with God to mature or improve it, 
And then the verse also says, anything that's worthy of, of praise, to applaud or edify things that deserve praise. Is that what I'm thinking about? If not, thank you. Change the channel. Change the channel. Praise actions that demonstrate the integrity and character of others. We should be doing that in each other's life. We do that with children, don't we? I've said, I can't tell you the number of times. Reuben, wow, that was so thoughtful and kind of what you did with your younger brother Judah. Or Scarlett, wow. Thank you for sharing that with Nehemiah when I know you wanted to have the whole thing all to yourself. We do that great with children, don't we? We need to do that with each other. We need to say, wow. That was an example of changing the channel of your mind. I know you were hurt, but look at what you were able to do. Wow. And we need to encourage each other and ourselves, by the way. Yay. I was successful that one time. <laughs> not only to, mm, but not to change the channel when I started thinking. Anyway, how do we think on these things? Well, number two, it takes discipline. Takes discipline. What was number one? Think correctly. Number two, it takes discipline. What did Jesus do? Well, he quoted scripture, didn't he? Remember when he, the evil one tried to bring him down in the wilderness? And what did he do? He quoted scripture, quoted scripture, quoted scripture. Wow. When we fill, find our minds filling with impure or depressed or anxious thoughts, change the channel. Not only change the channel, but change the channel to God's word especially perhaps a verse that addresses the issue that you're dwelling on. Maybe is there some area of uh, anxiety? Is there any area of fear? Is there any anxiety, anxiety of hurt or woundedness that you're experiencing? Find a verse. And every time that feeling begins to emerge and your thoughts start going that direction, quote the verse. Quote the verse. That's what Jesus did. How do we discipline ourselves? See on your outline. How do we retain these thought patterns? Number one, we hide God's word in our heart. We hide God's word in our heart. What a blessing that we can memorize scripture, right? What a blessing. We can find that scripture that meets that area that we're trying to change a channel on. Um, Psalm 119.11 says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that what i might not sin against thee it's it, the his word as it says in hebrews is a two-edged sword it's powerful it is god's word it has it has supernatural power in our lives and so we have the privilege to fill our minds with that truth by memorizing scripture i'll never forget years ago when tori was a little girl um Boy, this is a Tory day, isn't it? Telling a lot of Tory stories. But anyway, next week we'll talk about Roby. But anyway, um, she, when she was a little girl, we were at a, a Sheridan House function on a, uh, like a big boat, sort of yacht-ish boat. And as we got out to sea for this Sheridan House event, it began, the bad weather started. Oh, my goodness, I've never seen anything like this boat, you know, tipping and rolling, and it was just very frightening. And I immediately ran to find the kids, and I found Tori kind of sitting in a corner, kind of holding herself, and just terrorized. And she was saying, um, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When I'm afraid, out loud, trust in you. And that was her memory verse for that week. 
And so here she was, she found herself in this, her mind terrorized, and what did she do? Brought forth scripture. That's what we need to do in our lives. Find the one that addresses that area that you need to have. I want to say something else. Um, and this is just my personal opinion, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But that's why I love, in my devotions in the morning, there are great books out there that have great comments, and, and I think we could add that to it. But the main focus and goal when you're having devotions is read God's word. Not somebody's opinion about it, his word. What is he saying to me personally? How many times have you opened your, your Bible and you're struggling with something and right there, I mean, I cannot even count the number of times that's happened to me where I'm struggling with something and poop, or I'm thinking, okay, I want to be, help my granddaughter be in, and poop, there's that scripture. He uses his word. It's powerful. It is supernatural. It is written by the hand of God. So it can affect my life. So in those times of fear and woundedness and all those things, read God's word. So number one, filling your mind with. Number two, it takes discipline. Takes discipline. Um, what did you... Oh. See, I got so wound up on that, I just completely lost my... Wow. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I've heard, and somebody ch find out for me if I'm wrong here, that there are, well, I know this is right, there are, there are Bible apps that you can get on your phone so that when you're driving to work in the morning or you, you've got an extra time, you can actually listen and hear God's word flowing into your mind and heart and spirit. Wow. I, this is the part I'm, I'm not sure about, but I think I heard somebody say that if you spend 17 minutes in the car listening, that you can hear the whole Bible in a year. Isn't that amazing? It is. So that if we are listening, if, if you're saying, you know, my life is so complicated and complex and, you know, crazy, um, and, and you can't set the alarm for half an hour earlier or whatever, turn it on in the car. Let that app read it to you so that you can begin hearing the word of God. Number two, we must listen to God's word. Listen to God's word. Not just read it, but ponder it, apply it, pray it, and pray about it. I found a verse, um, and I think it's Jeremiah 15, 16, or Jeremiah 16, 15. I should have looked it up. What was I thinking? But anyway, and it basically says, I found God's word and I ate it. Do you love that image? That I, I'm chewing on it, I'm digesting it, it's becoming a part of my health, it's becoming a part of me eating it. I, I just thought that was so incredible, Jeremiah. Anyway, number three, we must deliberately contemplate God's word contemplate God's word. When we fall into fear or stress or doubt or guilt, we need to mentally discipline ourselves to think or maybe even say out loud, no, mind, this is what God's word says. No, when guilt comes our way, when hurt comes our way. No, this is what God's word says. And sometimes I think there's a real power in even saying it out loud. Just be sure that the rest of your family is not around because then they'll think you're crazy. But anyway. 
Anyway, this is what God's word says. Number four, we must practice the six thought patterns. Look with me to the beginning of verse nine. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. How do we do that? Practically, well, A, first, follow good examples. We've already talked about this so often. Was this Paul bragging and saying, hey, look at me, I've got it all together? No, he was just, he was saying, you know, that, that you've heard what I'm saying to you, you know what I'm going through, and this is what my perspective is, is. So follow my example, follow my example. He wasn't being prideful, he was just saying, you know, I, you know I'm in prison, you know I'm chained to a guard. You know that I don't know if the next day I'm going to be called to be executed. You don't know, but I am choosing to think about God. I am choosing joy. I'm choosing to reflect right thinking. So not that I'm perfect, but follow my example, uh, as we've talked about before. We may not have a lot of knowledge about the word, but uh, what the word says, but we need... Uh, what we need is practical expressions of that knowledge. Uh, I'll never forget when I was a little girl, my mother um, talked to me about the importance of learning the Word of God. And for me to um, earn my first Bible, I had to memorize scriptures. I had to memorize the books of the Bible. I had to, there are certain Psalms I had to memorize. And when I had memorized those to her exacting prescription, I earned my first Bible, and this is my first Bible. And um, I was 10 years old when I got it. And the reason why it's got white satin around it is because I covered it with satin to carry my wedding. So, yeah, and you can see how dirty, that maybe tell you how long we've been married, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, she had such an impact on me, on the importance of not only knowing scripture, learning scripture, but memorizing scripture. So grateful for that example in my life. <clears throat> and then B, do what we know. Do what we know. These things we have learned, received, and heard, and seen. What are we to do? Verse 9, again, practice these things. Practice these things. How it must grieve the heart of God that we know so much and live out and apply so little sometimes in our lives. We are to um, live what we know. There's a story of a rural mountain family and a visitor came to, to uh, see them and to his shock, he saw a... Stradivarius, priceless Stradivarius uh, violin holding up the door. And um, the, the crazy thing is that obviously they did not know the valuable the, the value. They just thought it was an old musical instrument maybe passed down through the generations or whatever. And so they took this valuable thing and propped up the door with it. How tragic that some, something of such inestimable value would be used in such a mundane way. Wow, is that what we do sometimes in our lives? Wow. Lehman Strauss said this, noble thoughts are of little value unless they translate, unless they be translated into deeds. Living surpasses learning. Practice outshines 
priority. Living supersedes learning. Supersedes learning. Next and finally, what is the result of having the correct mindset, right thinking? Look at the, verse, the end of verse 9 with me. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, in Greek, the word peace um, has tremendous understanding. It means security, calmness, harmony. And it's sort of a reflection of the word shalom in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, the word shalom means tranquility, welfare, wholeness, um, complete harmony, prosperity. Is that beautiful? That is what we have when we have right thinking. Shalom, peace. And back in verse 7 that we studied last week, Paul talks about, and the peace of God. And then he ratchets it up one here in verse 9. Look at what he says in verse 9. He speaks of the God of peace will be with you. Not just peace, but the God of peace will be with you. God is a God of peace, wholeness, and completeness. He himself will be with us as we're choosing right thinking. God of peace in whatever circumstances, he himself will be with us. I have a friend right now who's going through an extremely difficult season in her life, and I'll never forget her saying in amazement a couple weeks ago, she said, you know what? I just can't believe it. But I feel such a peacefulness right now. Why? The God of peace is with her as she tries to wrap her mind around thinking in the correct ways, thinking on these things. As she's working on thinking the right thinking, what happened? The God of peace is with her. Wow. The God of shalom will be with you. Kate will... Uh, Wilkinson said this, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me every day by his love and power controlling in all I do and say. I love that. It's a sweet little saying. Maybe we can memorize that too, huh? Not over Bible, but anyway, I love that. That it will, his love and power controlling all that I do and say.